Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. All right. There we go. My kids texting me in the middle of church. Probably, probably because my wife keeps talking to them as well, if I had to guess. That's how that works, too, which is cool. I love it. I love it. Haley's off exploring this weekend in L.A. and uh, Trenton was snowboarding and losing his keys off a mountain. So it's the most Trenton thing possible. It is the most Trenton thing possible. That's my dude. He texts and loses keys. Here's the amazing thing about Trenton, though. He'll probably have another set by this afternoon because that brother is innovative and uh, he, he, he makes it happen. Um, I'm, I'm going to jump back into uh, some stuff that I talked about last week. But one of the things that I've been doing and we've been talking about for some time is being moved by the gentle impulses of the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens. If you want to be moved by the gentle impulses of the Holy Spirit, you have to honor those gentle impulses, right? So, so if I could just use just, just a moment to teach. Last week as I was praying, I had no idea that Nicole had eye issues at all. I just heard eyes like so faintly. It wasn't like the audible voice of the Lord or anything. It was like, it was so faintly. And sometimes when I hear those faint things, it's like, oh man, is that really you? And I'll dismiss it, right? And, and so it, it, it absolutely was him. And, and one of the things that, that I want us to learn is that the Lord speaks to us in various ways. But I, I just want us to know that if you're going to be led by the gentle impulses of the Holy Spirit, you have to honor those gentle impulses of the Holy Spirit, right? So to whom much is given, much is required. But then when he can trust you, he gives even more. Is that right? Yeah. Right. So, so I'm going to do something really quick before I jump in. I was just dry, I was, I had some running around to do today, which is never, never my custom on a Sunday. Uh, but I, I just had some things I had to do today. Um, and, and as I was, I was driving, I was, I was praying in my truck and I just had a gentle influence. And this, I'm not saying this is a, like a word of knowledge or anything like that. Um, but I just felt impressed because I knew it was Chad's birthday. I knew it was George's birthday. I knew it was Derek's birthday, but I just felt the Lord say, Hey, why don't you just bless them on their birthday? So that's what I'm going to do. Is that okay? So we're just going to pray and I'm going to start with Chad first. So I just want you to stretch your hands this way and we're just going to bless Chad on his birthday. And we'll just see what the Lord is saying. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless my friend. I bless my friend, Chad. I bless his spirit. Thank you for his faithfulness. Thank you for his loyalty. Thank you that he's one that can be counted on. Thank you that that's your view of him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We bless him today on his birthday. We bless him to have the best year that he's ever had spiritually, emotionally, financially. I bless him to have the best year that he's ever had in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Chad, I just kind of see this picture. I just almost see you. Um, you remember how the 1980s basketball players, they'd, they'd have like the, the white headband around them. And for whatever reason, I see that. And I think it represents work. But I, I see you in like this solid white thing. And I just see you uh, just maneuvering um, almost as if it's an assembly line. I know, I know you don't work on an assembly line. But I think it's something in the spirit. And I don't know what it is. But I just see you. I see you maneuvering. And... I just see the smile of the Lord over, over you as you are doing the everyday thing. And, and one of the things that Damon taught me a long time ago, uh, Damon Thompson's who I'm talking about, is that the mark of maturity is that you do, um, you do the seemingly in, in, you do the seemingly insignificant things consistently. The seemingly insignificant things consistently is the mark of maturity. And so I just see that over you. I just see the maturity of the Lord and he blesses you and he honors your history in that way. He, he honors that you continue to do this, the, the same thing over and over again. And as long as I've known you, I have sensed that that is your heart to do what the Lord has asked you to do over and over again. So we just bless Chad today on his birthday. We bless his family. I bless his children. I bless his wife. 
I bless every relationship. God, I bless Chad with an increase of the gifts of the Spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discernment. In Jesus' name, we just bless him on his birthday. Follow the word of the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's pray for George. Let's pray for George. Can we do that? Just stretch your hands back here. Those of you that don't know George Nobile, amazing man of God. So sweet. Father, we love you and we bless you today for your servant, George. We bless, we bless that Papa that George is. We, we bless that in him right now. God, we, we bless the history that he has with you as well. Thank you for his faithfulness. Thank you. Thank you for pioneering. Thank you for pioneering. Thank you, Holy Spirit. George, I have uh, multiple times I've, I've said that um, I believe that the group that you run with, specifically some of your friends and what was your home group, I believe that in part awakening was an answer to your all's prayer. I, I believe that as soon as we encountered you guys um, and, and we learned each other's history, um, I, I told Rebecca and I told other people, I believe that awakening in Louisville is some of what you guys have, have been praying for. Um, and, and that's some eight years ago. When the first year is, is when we met you. And the reason that I think that is so significant is I believe that there's something on you to pioneer. And, and I believe that the Lord has gifted you to pioneer and, and to pick up the machete. And, and sometimes when we think of someone, man, I feel the Holy Spirit on this so strong. Whew. Sometimes when we think of someone who's, who's going to pick up a machete to pioneer something, we think of, of this, this Rambo-type character that, that is just, and they're going at it. But I believe that what the Lord wants to bless in you today is the tenderness and the sweetness of the Holy Spirit, and that you have pioneered some things, not just in your family, but in the Spirit, and, and you have pioneered that tenderness and that sweetness, specifically in, in men and and. Um, I just want to tell you that I'm grateful for that. I've been ministered to from that. There, there have been moments of, of tender ministry from you and the Holy Spirit to me. So I just want to bless that, that pioneer thing that is on you. And I, I believe that he's continually giving you wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of, of, of who he is. And, and I just want to encourage you. I don't know if you do this a lot, but I want to encourage you to write what the Lord is saying. I do know that you put it in your phone because you've done that a lot. Even with me, you'll shoot me a message. And so I just want to bless that. And I want to encourage you to write down what the Lord is saying to you. I believe that he's going to really begin to release some strategy to you that maybe you guys have been praying for together. I think that he's going to begin to release some of that in, in the way of wisdom. And, um, and I just honor the way that you all have stewarded the presence. I honor the way that, that you have stewarded that in your house and in your family. And so I just want to bless you today as the tender, sweet pioneer. Yeah. Father, thank you for my friend George. Thank you that, that you bless him today on his birthday. And God, we just we, we ask that, that you would just absolutely, that you would just absolutely just overwhelm him with your goodness. With your goodness. And um, I'm just going to pray. My brother-in-law is not here today, but I'm going to pray for him too. If I don't know if y'all are recording or not. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just bless Derek Hill right now. I bless his spirit. I, I bless his history. And God, I just I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to encounter his heart today like never before. Here's another one of the gentle impulses that I heard. And this is okay. maybe it's okay with you. Maybe you'll think it's weird. But today's 314, right? Pi day. I feel like the Lord was saying that those of you that were born on this day were meant to solve problems. You were meant to solve things. You were meant to solve equations. And so I bless Derek Hill with the ability to solve what seems to be mountains that they would become molehills in his life. God, I pray for an encounter with the love of the Father like he's never known in Jesus' name. I pray for, I pray for uh, encounters with your Holy Spirit right now that you would go wherever he is. Thank you for divine protection over his life. And we just bless him today. We bless him in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Is that okay? Y'all good? Okay. All right. Last week, what is it? You need my keys. 
there wasn't no way to make that discreet, babe. I'd have been jingling and jangling. I appreciate it, though. She was trying to whisper. She was trying to whisper. Hallelujah. Ah, where did we stop last week? Oh, I, I think I jumped to the end and gave you 15 characteristics of an apostolic revival family. Is that right? I'm going to read those, um, but I'm going to read them quickly because I, I, I want to honor time. Um, but I know there were a bunch of people that took notes, so if you want those, you can get them. But I want to talk to you about, about this. An apostolic revival family. What I mentioned last week, what does it mean to be apostolic? We hear that all the time, uh, you know, and, and there's different, um, you know, thought processes and all that stuff. But to be apostolic simply means to be sent. It simply means to be sent. And, and Jesus is the great apostle, according to Hebrews chapter 3. And, and one of the things um, that, that I'm, I'm not sure if I mentioned this last week, but I, I want to say this today. Um, sometimes we get caught up in saying, okay, uh, as, as we learn about the apostolic, we learn about these things. And, and we're like, okay, well, I don't have an apostle, so, so what do I do? So, so that's the reason I wanted to give you Hebrews 3.1. And dear brothers and sisters, you are now made holy. Each of you is invited to the feast of your heavenly calling. That's so good. That's so good. Each of you is invited to the feast of your heavenly calling. Each of you is invited to the feast. Everybody say amen. Okay. So fasten your thoughts fully onto Jesus, whom we embrace as our apostle and king priest. As our apostle and king priest. And here's what I want to say. Sometimes we get so caught up in, in what we seemingly think we don't have in a natural position. Who's my apostle if I'm sent? Who's my apostle? Do I need to be connected to an apostolic network? All, all these different things. And we miss the fact that, that we can never, we can never remove the mandates of scripture because we see something missing or lacking in people. What do I mean by that? I mean, just because you don't see a function in a human being, but you read about it in the word, it doesn't mean that the function is not still available. It just means you haven't got around the right people yet. Just because somebody misses a prophetic word doesn't mean that prophetic words are not true. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a little better analogy. That, that you, you, you don't dismiss what is a mandate in scripture because you see something lacking in human beings. Because the operative word is human beings, right? So, so, so we have to be super careful to not miss what the Lord is, is trying to have us see, what the Lord is trying to have us do, what he's trying to have us hear, what he wants us to be, just because we see it lacking in people, right? So, so remember, we spent a lot of time talking about that it took three and a half years, death, burial, resurrection, 40 days after resurrection for the disciples to understand that Jesus was not talking about a political kingdom. He was talking about a spiritual kingdom, right? And, and so sometimes we get our eyes so focused on this, what, what we see in the natural that we miss what is actually happening in the spirit realm. Did you know we were actually never supposed to be led just by what we see with our natural eyes? If, if Moses had have done that, the Bible says in Hebrews that Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. Are y'all okay? He endured as seeing who, his, who is invisible. What does that mean? He, he forsook the pleasures of Egypt. He could have stayed Pharaoh's son. He could have grown up that way and, and, and leaned into that inheritance. But he forsook that because he knew there was something driving him that was not just part of what he could see naturally, okay? And, and so, and so I'm, I'm talking to you about that because sometimes we miss the, the functions of the Holy Spirit because we're waiting to see that present in a person what if you're the person what if you're the person what what if you're the one that that he's waiting to move in a particular way to adjust your family to adjust what what you're dealing with what's going on what what if it's you what if it's you okay so so i don't i, I want us to understand that that we we're an apostolic people because we're sent, right? We're sent into the culture to transform the culture to mirror the kingdom. Okay. What are characteristics of an apostolic family? Here are the 15 I gave. I'm going to read them quickly so you'll have to get with somebody else who got them last week. Um, it sins. 
Characteristics of an apostolic family, sins, it empowers, it releases hope, relational emphasis, demonstrates power, represents Christ or serves, strengthens and encourages, awareness and value of the unseen, ongoing relationship and encounters with God who still speaks today, confronts the impossible, embraces mystery, builds the foundation of others, redeems, has big vision, and perseveres. Okay, so, so all of those are characteristics of an apostolic family. And here's, here's where I left off last, last week, I think. We cannot function in those characteristics of an apostolic family if we're not first made whole. Yes. So I'm going to talk today about, about wholeness. Okay? I'm going to talk about, about wholeness because we can't function in all of that that's there if we are still fractured. Okay? All right. Just because I have this out, there's not going to be a test after, I promise, okay? Okay. The foundation of the church, according to Ephesians 2.20, the foundation of the church is apostles and prophets, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that God first ordained apostles, prophets, and then he goes down the list, okay? The gifts of Jesus are not in any particular order that he left in Ephesians chapter 4, okay? The, the, these gifts right here, the gifts of Jesus um, are, are not in any particular order, okay? But I want to show you, I want to show you how we have functioned. I want to show you how we have functioned over the last several years, and, and then I'm going to talk about why I think it's necessary that we make some adjustments, okay? This has been, and I talked about it a little bit, and I'm going to get into wholeness in just a minute, but this right here has been the function of the body of Christ, specifically in America. That's what I'm talking about. Can y'all see that? Everybody see? Specifically in America, pastor, teacher, evangelist. We've been good with those three, so we're in the black on that, okay? Where we've been deficient is operating in, in the prophetic and the apostolic. Primarily, we were deficient in this because we didn't understand it. And when we don't understand something, we fear, fear something, we tend to reject it and make up reasons why it's not right and why it's not for me. Right? I hear people say it all the time. I believe in the gift of the Holy Spirit. I just don't think it's for me. It's contrary. It's contrary to Acts chapter 2, verse 19, that it's for you, your children, your children's children, those that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call, right? So, 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 so here, here's, here's where I feel like we've been in the red. We've been somewhat deficient in this. And, and when you look at this, the, the pastor, this is the focus of each gift, okay? This is the focus of each gift, all right? The pastor is super focused on the church. The teacher is super focused on the word. And the evangelist is super focused on the lost, okay? And what, we, what, we've, what we've been missing, and, and when I say we've been missing, I hope you understand, I'm talking about as a whole. We've been pursuing this for some time, right? Specifically at, at Awakening and in the circles that we've been running in. We've been pursuing this for some time. I'm talking about the body as a whole, okay? So, so the, the, the prophet is, or, or the prophetic gift um, focuses on the spirit realm. The apostle focuses on heaven's blueprints and bringing the kingdom, okay? That, that's kind of what, what their focus is. And here's what's really interesting. Whatever gift you identify, and again, I mentioned this last week, so just a little bit of review before I jump into the wholeness thing. What, whatever it is that, um, oh, I'm sorry, the review. Th these are the gifts that Jesus left in Ephesians chapter 4. These are not offices. It's not the office of pastor. It's not the office of teacher. It's not the office of evangelist. It's the gift. Read it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he left these gifts to men. It, it's a gift that we function in, okay? So here's, here's what I want to say. Whatever you lean into as a gifting or, or something that you identify with as a gifting, that's the lens that you're going to see it through, right? You ever hang around an evangelist and there's nothing that ever matters but winning the lost? Seriously. If you ever hang around a, like a legit evangelist, everything is around winning the lost. And they'll give you scripture. Well, brother, we have to win the lost. That's what Jesus sent us to do. We have to win the lost. And I, I mean, that's what they are. When, when you hang around a, someone with a pastoral gift, everything is about the church. It's about gathering. It's about bringing in. It's about now, now we, we've got to be careful. We don't want this person to, to run off and, and we got we to shepherd and bring them in. That, that's what a pastor does, right? And, and a teacher, is, it's about the word, right? 
If I can't find it in the word, then you're a liar. That, that's kind of how the teacher goes. I'm joking. I'm joking, right? But that, that is kind of how they function, right? Um, and, and so they're focused on, on the word. The prophet, they're focused in the spirit realm. You hang around prophetic people. They're going to tell you what every number means, what every color means, what the wave of the flag is, and how many ripples are in the flag. That's what they're going to tell you. That, that's, that's what they understand. That's just how they roll, right? You, you get around an, an, an apostle or someone who's functioning in an apostolic gift, and it's like, this is what heaven has said, and we're not moving from what heaven has said, and we're bringing the kingdom to earth, whether you like it or not, and that's what's going to happen. And so I, I say that to say that, that what happens is we limit ourselves to one instead of the function of all of the gifts. And what happens is it causes us not to be whole. Okay? And, and, and so I'm talking to us about being an apostolic family because he's called us to be sent into the culture. Okay? Why is that important? Because this right here is where we want to hang our hat all the time. This right here. I feel like I'm qualified to talk to you about this today because this is where I'm called to the church to equip the body to do the work of ministry. That is part of my calling, okay? That is part of my calling to the church. What happens is when the focus is just the church, we create this gathering mentality and miss what it is that Jesus asked us to do and released Holy Spirit to accomplish, okay? Prime example, the Lord told me in 2008, Louisville be the most safe city in America, right? Okay, that's amazing. I love that word. Guess how Louisville is never going to be the most safe city in America? By Sunday services. It will never happen. It will never happen if we think that every person has to come to Awakening Church and get saved and encounter Jesus. It will never happen. But he said the word of the Lord is that, that Louisville will be the most safe city in America. So what does that mean? It means that at some point I have to be a carrier of the kingdom and move from this thought process of just what happens on a Sunday in the church into being sent into my sphere of influence and carrying the kingdom of God into that sphere. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I talked to you last week that, that the, the go, Jesus said go, right? He said go in Matthew 28. He said go in Mark 16. He never said go and get decisions. He said go and make disciples of nations, right? Go and make disciples of nations. I don't exactly know how to make a disciple of a nation just yet, but I'm asking the Lord for the blueprint. You, you understand what I'm saying? Because he didn't say go make disciples in nations. He said go make disciples of nations, which means there's a grace that he's releasing for that to happen because it would be so cruel for him to say go do something and then not give us the ability and the power to actually do it, okay? Are you all okay? Y'all aren't focused on pie? I hope not. I hope not. Okay. None of these should function by themselves. None of them should function by themselves. You need every one of these gifts. That's why Jesus said, I left these gifts to men and that they would function until the body would come into the full maturity of the man Jesus. Okay? Are you, are you with me? Okay. So I, I want to show you this little quadrant here, and I want to show you where, where m most of us have, 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 have lived and, and where I think that, that he wants to make some adjustments. Okay, the pastoral first model, it's a gathering model. We have to gather. We have to gather. And I believe what the Lord is saying is you really need to move from a pastoral model to apostolic first model, which means we're sent. If we do that, that means that there's an adjustment here, which means we move from church to kingdom. There's way more books on church growth than there is kingdom growth. There's way more strategies on church growth, but did you know that they don't necessarily mirror what's in scripture? They mirror a franchise model. Do you know why? Because our focus has been gathering first 
and not sending. And so it leaves us here in a church first model instead of kingdom first because we want big church instead of big people. And what happens is when you move from this idea of big church into big people, you create this whole new atmosphere. Instead of having control, there's actually freedom. Some of us don't even know what freedom in the body of Christ looks like because we are so accustomed to the rules and the regulations and what, what we can't do. And what's happened is it's created this fracture in the body of Christ and it's created this fracture in each of us that, that, that we're, we're, so, we're so moved by, by what we see and we're so moved by the soulish realm that we miss that the Holy Spirit has really equipped us to change the world. And, and that's what I want you to hear, that what is on the inside of you is the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of you and you have the ability to change the world if you want to move into that realm it's true. I wish I had a little bit better news for y'all in that regard but I'm just playing yeah 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 so so here's the reason we talk about an apostolic family or a sent family because get this the language of the Bible is the language of family and relationships the language of the Bible is family and relationships. So, so if we begin to do this, if we make this transition, then we're really going to begin to see moving from building the church to building the kingdom. Jesus, when he said, and I've taught this, I don't want to be a broken record. Uh, if you don't remember the teaching, come talk to me. We'll have one-on-one. -on -one. But when he said, I'm going to build the church, I'm, I'm building the ecclesia, he didn't mean I'm going to build my weekly gathering. It's going to be a mega ministry. That's just not what he said. I'm, please hear me. I'm not against mega ministries. I love those things. I, I love it as long as it's founded in the word of God. I'm just telling you what we made Jesus building his church is not really what he meant. He said, I'm building my ecclesia. I'm building my governmental family. Are, are, are we okay there? Okay. All right. So, so there has to be a transition from building the church to building the kingdom. It also means that we, we have this transition from... Uh, from pastoral first to, to apostolic first, it means that we move from this man of God mentality to the priesthood of all believers. That every person that Jesus presented you, you, me, you, you, you as a king and a priest before his father, that we are, it's the priesthood of all believers. And what, what happens sometimes in the pastoral model is we elevate the one with the microphone as the only one who can hear the word of the Lord. And, and I've told you over and over again, if the only time you hear the word of the Lord is when it's coming from the person holding the microphone on Sunday, we have failed as a leadership in your life right? You have to have relationship where you hear the word of the Lord. Listen, it, it's not even, it's, it's not even uh, debatable anymore because it used to be, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to get filled up and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make it another week. No, 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 no. You're not going to make it. You need to hear me. I don't talk like this, but you're not going to make it if you don't learn how to have a real relationship with the Father. If you don't learn how to actually get in the Word and rightly divide what the Word is saying, you're not going to make it because culture is telling you that the Word is not true. Culture is telling you that what is good is evil and what is evil is good. Culture is telling you so many things over and over again that, that what happens is if you're not careful, the very elect will be deceived. Isn't that what the word says? That the love of many would wax cold and that if we're not careful, that the very elect would be deceived. And you have to know, you have to have the, this, this moment of, of encounter where you realize me ministering before the Father is more than what I do on a Sunday or, or in a Wednesday prayer meeting. Me ministering before the Father is what is necessary to sustain me from day to day. It's what helps me to be a better husband. It's what helps me to be a better employee wherever you may be. It's what helps me to be a better father or wife. I'm telling you, it ha there has to be this, this move and this shift where we realize it's not just what happens on a Sunday, but it's me functioning in the priesthood of all believers. It is necessary. I, I, I can't stress that enough. It's necessary. And if you don't have it, I'm telling you, you're at risk. If you don't have it, I, I'm just telling you, and, and, and you can say, 
man, that sounds like a lot of rules. No, 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 no. It's just life. If you don't know what's in this word, if you don't know what it says about your children, if you don't know that he is the word, then you are susceptible to the spirit of the age. And I don't have time to talk to you today about the spirit of the age, but at some point I will. He's, the Lord's been ministering me over and over. There is so much junk happening in our nation right now, and it is specifically in connection to the spirit of the age, twisting things. Some of you will remember, I used to teach a, a, a series on, on spirits that hinder the flow, and one of them is Leviathan. And Leviathan, is it's, it's representative of the Nile crocodile, and it, it's a twisting thing. You know what a crocodile does? It'll grab, and it'll just twist. And that's what's happening in the body of Christ, is this spirit is taking what is truth, and it's twisting it to fit other things. And if you don't know what truth is, you're susceptible to following the lie. Which is less than what he has available for you. And it creates a further divide in the body. It creates a further divide in the body. That's why you need to know what you believe about eschatology as well. The reason eschatology matters is because this is what we did. We wanted to camp out right here because he's coming to get us tomorrow. And so we don't really have to worry about anything else because we're not going to be here. Nah, 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 nah. But here we are. Here we are. So what if he's really trying to build something else and he's using sons and daughters, he's using the language of family to make the kingdoms of this world the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ? Or, or are we just after a good service that, that helps me make it through hell one more week? And it's going to get so bad that Jesus is going to rescue me out of here. What kind of, what kind of Christian life is that? But it's what's been perpetrated in our lives. That, that, that doesn't show us as victorious. You, you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So the transition looks like moving from building the church to building the kingdom from the man of God to the priesthood of all believers. It looks like removing the barrier and language that promotes an ideology of the sacred versus the secular. I want to tell you that there is no sacred and secular. Actually, the idea of sacred and secular promotes double-mindedness. And a double-minded man is unstable in all those ways. Ryan, what are you talking about? I'm saying that when, when, you, when you have a real encounter with Holy Spirit and he changes you, he doesn't just change you when you're around your church folk. He changes you and every atmosphere that you walk into because you carry the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It doesn't go on a shelf because I'm around my buddies that are not in church. I can't get no help. I'm telling you, we have promoted this idea of sacred versus secular. And, and what has happened is we have looked like snobs to the world because we've got it all together and here we are. But then they look at our real life and the way that we actually live. They look at the way that we actually live. And they're like, I don't, I don't. I, I, don't, I don't see this holier than thou thing now because you're doing the same junk that I'm doing. Your mouth sounds the same that my mouth sounds like. You're, you're doing the same things with your money that I'm doing with my money. Your, your kids are acting the same way that my kids. What, what's going on? And, and, and we have removed this idea of, of actually being hope to the world because we've compartmentalized that I'm this when it's church time and I'm this when it's work time. But the way we transform culture is that this person is the same right here in church as he is when he's at work. I actually would submit to you that we've done more damage. We've actually done more damage to people who don't know the Lord by promoting this ideology of sacred versus secular. That's why I have Lou Engle, he's my hero. He's one of my heroes, seriously. I mean, this dude, like I just hear his voice and I'm like, I know the Lord is speaking right now, right? And people come up on him and he's in his van 
and he is in heaven. If you've ever seen Lou, as soon as he prays, this is what he's doing the whole time. And he's in his van. This is a true story. He is in his van. And he is in it. I mean, he's going after the Lord in prayer, just like Lou Engle does, and opens the door. And they're like, oh, my goodness, he must have this amazing worship music going. And this brother's got Celine Dion playing in the van, going after Jesus, praying and leaning into it. And Celine Dion is taking him straight to heaven. Here's, here's what I'm saying. I'm serious. This is what I'm getting at. We, we think that every condition has to be right, and we think that we've got to look a certain way, and we can't be vulnerable, and we can't be real, and we can't be true because God must be scared of us being real, and he must be scared of us being true, so i got to fake it till I make it. The problem is I'm not making it. I'm just faking it. And then we're living this idea of sacred versus secular, and it's all because we've been fractured. It's because I wasn't saved enough to be around the church folk, but I didn't want to be in hell enough to be around the unsaved church folk. And instead of becoming the answer for them, I became double-minded. And there's this idea of sacred versus secular. And I, listen, I understand that I'm, I'm, I'm messing with some of our language. I, I get that. And we, we've talked about it. As a matter of fact, I'm quite positive. If I go look at my notes, I have messages that I've preached on the sacred and the secular, probably that, but I've, I've told you the Lord, he, 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 his revelation is progressive. Thank you, Jesus. And I promise you there's way more freedom in the removal of sacred versus secular. There's way more freedom because I don't have to put on a mask. Do you know that's what the word, hypocrite, Hippocrates, it's the word in the Bible, and it literally means to play two roles. It's, it's what they would do in theater. They would wear a mask, and I, they would play one role here, and they would turn around and play another role here. It was to, it was to put a mask on. And, and, and Jesus. And that's why the world came up with these sayings. And it was the world. It was the world, 100%. But that's why they came up with these sayings during, during this thing. I don't know why you all are frustrated about wearing a mask, church people. You've been wearing one forever. Oh, well, I would, but here we are, right? Here we are. And it's because there's this thing that's fractured, and I've got I've to act a certain way. Here, here, well, do you have Bible for this? Absolutely. While we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. What does that mean? He did not die for the, the saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost Ryan that had everything together. He died for the jacked up Ryan, the one that was messed up, the one that, that, that was stuck in religion, that was stuck in pride, that was stuck in sin, and all of the things that I, that's the one that he died for because well people don't need a physician. That's what the word says, right? And, and, and so what I'm trying to tell us is, is that he's pushing us into something. He's pushing us into this place of wholeness. And one of the ways we become whole is realizing that we're, we're not living this idea of sacred versus secular. That there's one kingdom. Do you understand that? Are y'all good? Okay. Okay. So it looks like the transition from building the church, building the kingdom, it looks like the transition from the man of God to the priesthood of all believers. It looks like removing the barrier and language that promotes an ideology of the sacred versus secular. And it looks like a journey to sonship and wholeness. So let me just make this disclaimer. When I say son, just know that it's slash daughter every time. Okay? No gender. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Okay, here's what I want to tell you. And you need to listen closely. Being a son, being a daughter, it's an inside job. Internal work must be done. Being a son or a daughter is an inside job. And internal work must be done. One of the reasons that this has been so difficult to get to is because people in an apostolic movement know who they are. Yep. People who are really functioning in an identity as one that is sent knows who they are. I'm 100% for outreach. I've had people come to me Ryan, why don't we do more outreach? Why don't we do more outreach? 
and I'm for it. But here's what I say about outreach. We have to have a healthy family for them to be plugged into. And if we don't have a healthy family for them to be plugged into, then we are at the risk of doing more damage than we are good. If you've been in church 20, 30, 40 years, and you still can't be trusted to disciple someone because you don't know how to act, or you don't know how to talk, or you don't know how to handle yourself, there's an identity issue. And we all have a journey. We all have a journey. We, we, and, and we all have a process. And the Lord is okay with that. And, and nobody is saying, you've got to have your process together. I'm just saying that you can't move into that next place of wholeness if that is still keeping you where you are. Are y'all okay? Is that, is that all right? I want to go after them. I want to go after them, but we have to be healthy. We have to be a healthy family that doesn't just believe that God is good when the circumstances are good. That, that doesn't just believe that fear is a spirit when we're on top of the world. That, that doesn't just believe that he's in control when everything looks well. But it's a lifestyle that we live and we really are a devotional body that have real devotional connection to Yahweh. See, here, here, here's, the diff- here's another difference between church and apostolic family. When you go to church and, and it's just church, nominal church, church in name only, when that's what you're after, then you can hide. You can hide. You can go in and you can do your deal and, and, and feel good about being 10% better than the next person. And, 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 oh, well, I didn't do that this week, so I must be better than them. And, I, you know, I, I know, again, here we are. Uh, but you can do that. But, but when it's family, when it's family, they're going to tell you, hey, listen, your breath stinks. Let, let's go brush our teeth together. You want to? You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Family is going to tell you, hey, listen, you know, you're doing that fear thing again. Yeah. And you have to decide, am I at a place where I can actually handle that feedback? Or am I, am I still stuck acting like everybody else doesn't know the mess that I'm in? Because family's not going to let you stay the same. Family, family's going to be texting you talking about, Dad, I heard every time you messed up and stuttered today. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? Fa- fam- family's going to ask you, did you brush your teeth today? You, you, you understand? Fa- fam- family's going to, they're going to get in your face when, when, when you allow them to. But here's the thing. Some of us don't want to. And what happens is instead of wanting to grow in family, we would rather just move churches and hide again. Here's the thing. Jesus paid for wholeness. He did. Jesus did not pay for you to hide. He didn't pay. He didn't pay for you to keep your, your, your junk in your pocket. He didn't pay for you to manage your sin just a little better. He didn't pay for you to manage your addiction a little better. He didn't pay for you to be just a little bit nicer to your family. He paid for complete wholeness. And if he didn't, let's go to the house and not get back in his name anymore. But he did. He paid that we would be changed, that we would be changed in a moment and that through relational connection with him and the power of the Holy Spirit, we would continue to grow day after day into maturity, being moved by the gentle impulses of the Holy Spirit. That's what he paid for. He didn't pay for us to continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. As a coach, I love it when a team runs the same play over and over again and they have no adjustment. I love that because all I have to do is make a very slight adjustment and we can stop their play or if they're running the same defense, we can go around it and and we can score the ball, whatever it looks like. And what happens is the church has been stuck running the same play over and over again and primarily we were stuck in that because we were scared to death to get into this realm right here that teaches us that, hey, listen, if you're going to be a prophetic person, that means that you're actually getting insight of what is to come and you could catch the enemy off guard. Can you believe that? Yeah. 
That's right. That's right. Catching him off guard. What are you talking about? I'm talking about this. If the enemy knows that opposition coming to your life hinders your devotional connection with him, guess what's going to keep coming in your life? Opposition. Whatever it is. If he knows that it's relational things, relational things will continue to pop up. Have you ever been around that person? And, and they'll, they'll, they'll talk. You don't have to be prophetic. They'll talk to you. And they'll say, man, I don't know why this keeps happening, but this and this has happened over and over and over again. And, and they'll tell you, every time it happens, it pulls me back, and I just don't feel like I can do what I need to do, or, or I, I don't feel like I can connect to God. Every time this happens, you don't have to be prophetic. You just say, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense, because every time this happens, you pull back from God, and you pull back and do the things that are happening over and over again. And that's why the enemy keeps bringing it to you over and over and over again, and you keep walking around the same mountain. You gonna help me after this? You gonna you gonna save me, Chad? What time is? Jesus paid for wholeness. Jesus paid for wholeness, and here's what I want to tell you. Oh, I don't know what I want to tell you. Did you know that real government rests on the shoulders of sons? Isaiah nine six. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Well, that's talking about Jesus. Absolutely, the firstborn of many brethren. The one who we pattern our life after. The one who we live to be Christ-like. So if that's true, then government actually rests on the shoulders of sons. What am I saying? People who know who they are and have real identity in the body, the government of what the Spirit is saying and what he's doing actually rests on the shoulders of sons and daughters. In other words, we carry the government. That's, that's the issue that I have, and that's the anointing that, that, that I feel like is on my life, and sometimes people don't think it's an anointing, but I, I can call out the obvious of stuff, because here's the thing. If we're an apostolic family that's going and there's healing happening all the time and, and heaven is coming to earth and, and we're doing what we're supposed to do in devotional connection, then things will look different than they do. If the church is really being a voice, then abortion's not going to be an issue any longer. If the church is really being a voice about the family and we're solidified on that, then it doesn't matter what culture is saying. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and we have to call out the fact that sometimes we're talking a game that we're not necessarily living. And when you talk a game that you're not living, the government can't rest on your shoulders. The responsibility for bringing heaven to earth can't rest on your shoulders if you can talk a good game, but you're not walking it out. You know how I know that? Because I'm really good at talking a game. I'm really good at that. You play me in any sport, and I'm going to make you think that I'm the best that's ever been. Now, that don't mean I can back it up, but I can talk a good game. Actually, I can back it up in a lot, though, so why y'all thinking that I can? No, I'm joking. See? See, I just switched right there. Ping pong. That's what I'm good at anymore. That's about it. I'm good at ping pong. Real government rests on the shoulders of sons. This really cool British dude that I like, Paul Manwaring, he said this. Listen to this. This is, this is good, and I'll stop. We can go eat pie. Government on the shoulders of sons is increased by the Holy Spirit and demonstrated by self-control. Government on the shoulders of sons is increased by the Holy Spirit and demonstrated by self-control. Love, joy, peace, pains, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Sometimes we can't function in the government on earth as it is in heaven because we don't know how to live the fruit of self-control. That's good, Ryan. No, you missed it. It's too late. Don't say it. <laughs> this really is the last thing I'll say. I've got so much more. Don't settle for the language of the kingdom and not get the full experience. Don't settle for the language of the kingdom 
and not get the full experience. It's what he paid for. An apostolic revival family, we are sent ones to bring revival and awakening to the culture from and for the context of kingdom family. If we receive kingdom revelation as a result of our yes to what the Spirit is saying, but our yes is not sustained in devotional connection, we run the risk of raising a generation to be clean and not full. If we don't have the ability to sustain the yes, that brought us into real kingdom revelation, if we don't have the devotional connection to sustain that yes, we run the risk of raising a generation that we beat over the head to remain clean, but don't give them the ability to remain full of kingdom light. And the government rests on the shoulders of sons and daughters. That's different. What he's trying to do is different. What, what he's asking us to do is different than let's get together on Sunday and have a service and feel good about it. It's different. There's something more. There's, there's something more. And that's why you still gather at 1.30 on a Sunday in a non-typical church time and many of you bust your tails during the week to make sure you can make Wednesday night to get into an atmosphere of prayer because you know that there's more and you know that there's something different. And so when I say this stuff, I'm saying this just because we need slight adjustments, not because we haven't been on the path we have. And I'm proud of you for that. And I'm grateful for that. We need slight adjustments because it's really hard to unknow something that you already know. And we know that really well. We know it really well. But he's asking us to know this. He's asking us to know this. He's asking us to move into a realm where what we see with our natural eye doesn't move us because we have devotional connection to the king that leads the kingdom. If you stand up, I'll really stop. But I want to share this to you. Look at y'all. Hey, don't tempt me. I, I mean, I could go for the, we forget pie day. Yeah, you can just bring your pie in here. Let, let, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Peter was a knucklehead. Peter was a knucklehead. 100% he was. The reason Peter was a knucklehead was because he had crazy, tremendous zeal. I actually will take zeal over lethargy all day long. Give me the knuckleheads that are zealous. You can have the Eeyores. Jesus had so many conversations with Peter. Some of them that sounded like, Peter, you're amazing. Some of them that sounded like, Peter, you're the devil. <laughs> but he has a particular conversation with him in Matthew 16. And he says, who do men say that I am? Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're Elijah. Who do you say that I am? Peter steps up and he says, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. Simon, I say today, now your name is Peter which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And it goes on to say that I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here's the thing. If Peter didn't have a real devotional connection with Jesus, there's no way that he could have caught the identity shift right there and moved into wholeness as Peter. 
Here's the other thing. He wasn't saying, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my ecclesia on Peter. What he was saying is, I'm going to build my ecclesia on people who know how to see me for who I really am. Because if they can see me for who I really am, then they'll be able to see themselves as Peter the Rock. And I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom. Here's what I want to tell you. Keys are little, but doors are really big. And little keys unlock big doors. What are you saying, Ryan? I'm saying that there are little keys and little adjustments that he's releasing to this family in regard to wholeness, in regard to the way that we've just always been, in regard to our beliefs around his goodness, in regard to beliefs around healing and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. There are little keys that he is giving us little adjustments that move really big things and that open really big doors. And I have to be able to see him correctly and see what he's doing in my life in order to be able to handle the key that may open the biggest door that I've ever needed to walk through. See, I think what what happens sometimes is we look for really, really big keys and we miss the gentle impulse because keys are little. It's a little adjustment. So it's a, it's a little thing. And here's the great thing, that when he gives you a key, that key has already been tested in heaven. You, you know how you get a key, and, and the worst thing in the world is to go get a key cut and then take it to your door and it doesn't fit. Isn't that the worst? And you got to go back and you got to do it over and over again. And I think what happens is, we miss the little key because we already expect it not to be enough and not to work. But it's already been tested in heaven. Whatever is bound on earth is bound in heaven. And what is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. I'm giving you, I'm giving this body the ability to make adjustments, to make transitions. I'm giving you governmental authority to change things in your family, to change things in your workplace, to change things in relationships, are you willing to take the key? And if we're fractured, we're not going to. And, and, and if we continue to make the same choices that cause us to remain fractured, because here's the thing, you, you know, people say all the time, well, I just can't help it. It's who I am. That's hogwash. You've believed a lie. You were never even called to be who you are. You were called to be like Jesus. And, and, and I'm not diminishing that there are things that happened to you as a child. There are things that happened to me as a child. There are, are situations that I went through that I have to navigate on a daily basis. Do I want to respond this way or do I want to respond that way? And I have found that over and over again, it is the result of a choice. If I want to make a choice to do something different, if I want to make a choice to respond differently, if I want to make a choice to look at the situation differently, I can. But I can also make a choice to do the same thing over and over and over again. And then I invite people into that cycle. And now I'm not just damaging me. I'm not just fracturing me. I know that I know this is heavy. I understand that it's heavy. But I'm just telling you, if we're going to change our city, if we're going to change our culture, we have to be whole. But let's just go home first. If we're going to change our home, we got to be, we got to figure out what to do. We all come from environments that were not perfect. We all come from environments that were not perfect. And there were things I had to learn about how to talk to my wife and how to treat her. And there were ways that she had to learn to, to, to talk to me and, and, and to treat me. And there, there are things that happen. And we can continue these cycles of being fractured and just saying, hey, this is what I've always done. And this is what I revert to. And this is where I go. And this is where I pull in. And this is just how I am. And it's just what I do. And, and, and here's the thing. Some of us get so good about it that we can even say, I know I'm doing it. Those are the ones that I have issue with. If you know you're doing it, stop. 
the act of being whole is the responsibility of Jesus. The act of accepting what he paid for is your responsibility and my responsibility. Is that okay? So I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to, to teach us that I want to send you into the culture, but I want you to represent me well. I don't want to pray anymore, God, I really love you, but I don't like your kids. And I don't want people to pray that about me. I want to be whole. I want to be whole. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for your Holy Spirit. We're grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit. We're grateful that you've released identity to us. We're grateful that you love us. We're grateful that when we act like the prodigal, you love us. We're grateful that when we act like the elder brother, you love us. We're grateful that in every way, you decided to build your governmental family on people who could see you rightly. And I pray that you would release a grace in here today for us to see you rightly, to know you and acknowledge you in all of our ways. We bless you, Holy Spirit. We love you. And we honor you. If you want that today, if you if you you feel like, hey, yeah, I need I need to I need this wholeness thing. Why don't you just put your hands out and receive Mona? I just I just want to be whole. I just want to be whole. Whatever that looks like, I want to be whole. Father, I just ask that you release that right now in the name of Jesus. That you release wholeness. It's 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 an act of the Holy Spirit. It's an act of the Holy Spirit. Our responsibility is to say, yes, I want that. Yes, I want that. So we just release that today. We release that today. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. We honor you. And we bless your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Do, do you know what we're doing? Yep, I know what we're doing. First of all, I just want to say, I could feel in the room that um, we want the fruit of the kingdom, right? I could feel it that you're like, yeah, this is good stuff. I want to be sent. I want to see cultural transformation. I want to be a part of a governmental family of God. But what I was hearing Ryan say today is that means that there is responsibility required inside a family. When I had my kids as a teenager, I was young. I had to grow up with my kids. But immediately, I had to not sleep in anymore. <laughs> immediately, I had to feed that baby, and I had to change the baby's diaper. And there was responsibility required because of family. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I just want us that to be something that we chew on this week. All of what he said was so good. And I think the, the culmination of that is, do I want to take on the responsibility of wholeness so that the family that I am in biologically and spiritually can benefit from me being connected to this family? Con connection is, is purposeful. We have to be connected on purpose. And I think part of that, of course, I am a huge proponent for emotional health. You know, anger can come at us. Emotions happen to us, but yelling is a choice. It's what he was just talking about, right? So that, that, there, is, there is a responsibility that comes with wholeness and being connected to the family. And I think, like he said, you're choosing that because you're here at 1.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> you, you know that there's something more that, that you want to be a part of. And I'm thankful to be connected with people like that. So I just want to make this declaration that I've been saying over us the last few weeks. And then I'll give us some instructions. 
I declare that we are an apostolic burning family and we bring heaven to earth. We know who we are as sons and daughters of Father God. And because of our sonship, we are seen, heard, and valued. And we see, we hear, and we value those around us. We are people who see from his perspective. We see transformation by mirroring the kingdom of God. We know by living in his presence, everything is possible. We take risks and we dream big because God is good. We produce hope and we are hope dealers. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be and to do for that which we are created. Because of our partnership with the Holy Spirit, we are carriers of his glory. I declare it is time to see revival, reformation, renaissance, and his government that has no end to be on our shoulders as sons and daughters of God. Amen? Amen. Okay, awesome. So we're going to take just about 15 or 20 minutes. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us online at awakeningky.com.